0: Oh, the jungle i and had to stop,
1: and that's what's bothering me. Zook, zook, I wanna be a Mouse Madness, and zook. zook. And Hello and welcome. To You're top. listening to Mouse and Madness, a podcast dedicated man. to bracketing I'm all Kyle, things I'm Disney.
2: I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner.
1: And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back. It's officially Mouse Madness's one-year anniversary.
2: Happy birthday to Mouse Madness. We have survived a year. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I mean, we're, what, 30-something episodes in, and uh, we've reached a year in the podcast. So thank you to everybody who's listened along and, and have joined this crazy train. Uh, I I've, It's just been super fun
1: our child of a podcast might take its first step soon you know and you know it might start eating solid foods like this is just i'm just such a proud parent right now and to help us with this celebratory episode we've got one of our oldest friends from our family camp days we've got daphne calling what's going on daphne
0: what's up america this is daphne here thanks for having me guys
2: (laughs) yeah we are definitely uh all of America is a fan of Mouse Madness, so good thing that you shouted them out specifically.
0: Oh yeah, sure, yeah. I'm my connection to Disney is that I'm a '90s baby, or a '90s kid. <laughs> so this is the stuff that we grew up on, and I, and yeah. I still watch it, still watch Disney into my '30s.
2: Yeah, I mean. It, we bring it up a lot on this podcast how big of a uh influence 90s disney bias has so (laughs) you're perfect for it's a thing it's cool it's it's definitely a thing um so yeah so welcome thanks for thanks for hopping on with us
1: and of course an episode without a family vacation center alumni would not be complete without a heavy heavy pour into our spoonfuls of sugar kyle what is your spoonful of sugar this week
2: yeah, I um, didn't quite have the time to prep anything super special this week. Um, I really wanted to dive into a tiki drink, but that's gonna have to wait until probably next bracket. So today I am drinking a hazy IPA from Lagunitas. Uh, Chris, what do you? what's your spoonful of sugar? Because I'm feeling
1: so nostalgic today, I decided to uh, throw it back to one of my favorite beverages to drink in college. Uh, this one was introduced to me by one of our FEC friends roxy who i don't think kyle ever worked with roxy but daphne definitely remembers roxy um this is a great beverage for if you're just um you know walking around the neighborhood or uh, sitting out on the lawn chair Uh, you can drink it discreetly Uh, it doesn't look like you're drinking anything at all Uh, you grab a sprite bottle from cvs or the gas station Drink about a quarter of it and fill the rest up with gin. Uh, and you got a nice little um, semi-refreshing uh, be- alcoholic beverage. It's great. Uh, I- I'm calling it a gin and juice, but gin is spelled J-Y-N to make it Star Wars themed. There you go. Daphne, what do you got?
0: So I wanted originally wanted to drink this cocktail called the french kiss for this recording but it needs elder flower liquor i've never heard of that so i decided (laughs) (laughs) i decided to support my local brewery as well it's a less than a quarter mile from my house it's called the white point lager from common house ale l works yeah it's good for these hot days in charleston
2: I love that we're all supporting local businesses, you with your local brewery, me with mine, Chris with his local CVS.
0: Hey Kyle, listen, (laughs) these
1: folks work around the clock to keep us fed during this crisis in Manhattan. And you know what? We gotta give them my business, we have to.
2: Hey, I am all about it. Well, this week's bracket is best Disney duo. And in order to find out who our round of 16 was going to be, we had to search virtually once again And ask a certain demographic. So, Chris, who is that demographic this week?
1: Okay, so, Kyle, obviously, this is a time where many Disney fans are concerned. People are worried. In particular, they're worried about the state of the Disney parks. They want to know, how soon can we get in there? How soon can we go on our favorite rides again? It's gotten to the point where it's a little bit insensitive to me that people are like so worried about it and like of all of the things you should be worried about right now you should not be worried about how soon can I go to Disneyland again all right like probably there's not. like 30 million people out of work thousands of people dying every single day uh whether or not you're gonna be able to go to Disneyland this summer or Disney World should not be near the top of your priorities list but you know these folks are out there they're not too hard to find and you know what we used their loudness on twitter as a good opportunity for us to reach out and and pull them for this bracket so our demographic is people overreacting about disney parks closures during a global pandemic
2: (laughs) which as you just said it's not that hard to find
1: not hard to find at all i mean if you're following the topic on twitter they're they're in there all the time you can go to like local news stations posting clickbait articles about disney parks might and i open for a year they're, man they're everywhere
2: so of course only 16 can make this bracket which means a few had to miss the dance and first up on the mr dance category is lightning mcqueen and mater from the cars series listen the Cars series is troubling because the first movie was like, fine, we get an entire land out of it in DCA. Um, but this is a duo and th- it they really fall into the, the trope that Disney has of these like l- reluctant friendships where it's formed out of necessity rather than wanting to. But I think that when we pulled th- this demographic here uh just because cars is such a it's an entity that is never on anyone's mind really ever so i think lightning and and mater fell by the wayside but they're a pretty solid duo and i think that if this was an expanded bracket like our songs they'd definitely be on it but this time they're missing the dance
1: number one missed the dance for me is judy hops and nick wilde I really like their relationship in Zootopia. I really like the way that they grow as friends. They start off kind of at ends with each other, and um, they have a little brief moment of, oops, they lost their friendship. And then by the end of the movie, they've uh, combined forces, and they're happily ever after is that Nick is no longer a criminal. He's a member of the police force like Judy really like the way their friendship develops throughout and they do go on a adventure and they have to solve this mystery and they're able to accomplish that as a team Uh, so they're great but at the end of the day friendship is such an important part of Disney movies and Pixar movies that you know like you said not every team or pair of friends is going to make this bracket they just there just wasn't enough room for these two and i think because the movie isn't exactly one of the greatest hits of the last decade people probably forgot about it and just in general you don't really think of these two as like completely inseparable like you do some of the names on this bracket who else you got missing the dance kyle
2: next up is jack and will from my favorite pirates of the caribbean franchise Um, This duo is interesting because, and it would have been really interesting to dive into, because they are frenemies, essentially the entire series, right? Like, Jack and Will need each other for basically everything that they're trying to accomplish throughout the entire series, but they also hate each other. There's so much deception, there's so much backhandedness about their friendship that I think that people don't quite think of them as a duo. And you could even say, like, Jack and Elizabeth are a duo or Will and Elizabeth are a duo. Like, that That kind of threesome there is very much...
1: What? Yeah, it's
2: very much um, frenemies. Will and Elizabeth obviously get married, but, um, yeah, I think that people just don't think about those two as a duo, which makes sense. But they're, they're a duo in, in, for most of the movies, and they definitely go on quite a string of adventures. So they they missed the dance. Who's the last one for you, Chris?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up before we even get into this bracket. This idea of a duo is one that is not super well defined. There are all kinds of duo possibilities out there. There could be a romantic duo, you know, there could be siblings. Uh, It's really hard to decide like which type of duo is the best one. And This last duo that missed the dance is one of those that's a little bit blurry. That's Mary Poppins and Bert from Mary Poppins. They have this very kind of ambiguous relationship. Their romance together is kind of hinted at. Uh, But it's never really like explicitly stated that these two uh, are together or were together at some point. You do get a moment where like there's maybe like a hint of jealousy when Bert is singing about all of the women that he knows and Mary's kind of like, are you through yet or something like that. So you get the sense that there is something there between them. Um, but ultimately this is mary's movie you know and she's the one who gets stuff done she's the one who drives all the action bert's great he's great to have kind of in this mary poppins squad but um, it's mary leading the charge there she's the leader Uh, she's clearly the hero not as much give and take as some of these duos that did make the bracket
2: daphne when you saw the bracket and you see who was left off were there any surprises for you specifically with these these four pairs that we just talked about
0: Actually, no, I was looking for like, hey, you guys better have included this duo, <laughs> and you guys, um, you guys did well with this bracket, I think.
2: Great, that's a perfect segue. Let's hop right into it. Cue the epic music. It is time to announce the best Disney duo bracket.
1: Coming in with the number one seed, they are Toys. From Toy Story, Woody and Buzz.
2: It wouldn't be a Mouse Madness episode without these two on the bracket. Coming in at number two, it's Anna and Elsa from Frozen.
1: No worries for this number three seed. From the Lion King, it's Timon and Pumbaa.
2: Put that thing back where it came from, or so help me. Coming in at the number four seed from Monsters Inc. It's Mike and Sully.
1: Will this duo get left behind? Will they be forgotten? Coming in at number five, Lilo and Stitch.
2: Move over Alvin, there's new chipmunks in town. Coming in at the number six seed, it is Chip and Dale.
1: Zuck, zuck. Coming in at number seven from Cinderella, Gus and Jock.
2: Thank God it wasn't Bing Bong. Coming in at number eight from the movie Inside Out, it's Joy and Sadness.
1: What do you get when you combine a stink brain and a fart face? Coming in at number 9 from Wreck-It Ralph, Vanellope, and Ralph. I am Moana!
2: Coming in at the number 10 seed from the movie Moana, it's Moana and Maui.
1: Will this elephant fly his way through the bracket? Coming in at number 11, it's Timothy and Dumbo.
2: Will this duo find the Bear Necessities? Coming in at number 12, it's Baloo and Mowgli from The Jungle Book.
1: Will this duo just keep swimming to the finals? Coming in at number 13, from Finding Emo, Marlin and
2: Dory. His name is Remy, not Ratatouille, you uncultured swines. Coming in at number 14, from the movie Ratatouille, it's Remy and Liguini.
1: Is it getting blustery in here? Coming in at number 15, from the Winnie the Pooh franchise, Pooh and Piglet.
2: Coming in at number sixteen from Alice in Wonderland, it is the Mad Hatter and March Hare. All right, Daphne, dude,
1: Kyle, Kyle's coming from impressions and funny voices right
2: I'm, now. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm feeling it today. This, this, well, is, let's go. Part one is going to be a musical one. Daphne, there's the round of sixteen. All of our participants are there. What are your initial thoughts on this bracket?
0: My initial thoughts are, dang, this is tough. And when I, <laughs> when I was going through this bracket and started, started thinking about the characters, I actually those that I initially thought would be high on my bracket didn't place as high after going through this.
2: Yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of Mouse Madness. It's who you think will make it to the end Never does, unless it's our most recent episodes in which the one, two, three, and four seeds made it to the final four. So will that trend end?
1: Daphne, what was the duo that you were like, I hope they're on this bracket?
0: Honestly, uh, Woody and Buzz. (laughs) And they're on there. They are number one. So yeah, Toy Story, man.
2: Yeah, and and it's hard to talk about duos without bringing up Woody and Buzz. I feel like they're just... They're what you think of when it comes to Disney duo. So it makes sense that they're the the number one seed and that people thought about them. Right.
0: When I was a kid, I had a Woody and Buzz action figures, and um, I was asked to give them up to my baby cousin, and I said no, and I was a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right. Well, looks like we've already kind of started this conversation. So I'll go ahead and uh, corral it a little bit here, and we'll officially begin Talking about our first matchup here, it's that number one seed Woody and Buzz versus the number sixteen Mad Hatter and March Hare. Uh, I 100% agree with what you said, Kyle. I found myself going through this bracket and using Woody and Buzz as like a reference to every other duo, and kind of defining and comparing against these two. uh And it's really important to kind of figure out why that is, and I think we'll do that throughout the bracket. So I'm not gonna. You know, give it all up at once. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the differences between Woody and Buzz and Mad Hatter and March Hare. When we started researching this bracket, Kyle, you texted me and you were like, all these fools are the same. All of these duos are identical. They're exactly the same. And I don't even know who to advance because it's like, how are we going to choose between them? And I agree with that in a lot of ways. A lot of these Duos are very similar, Um, but this is an example of one that I think is really different. Woody and Buzz, the thing that makes them so endearing as a team is the differences they have between them. Woody is really charismatic and charming, he's really well spoken, um, and he has a flaw, and that flaw is that he puts a lot of stock in how others think about him he is really focused on his standing amongst the other toys and he's really focused on him being andy's favorite toy and all of that is threatened when buzz comes to town and it reveals these flaws in his character buzz is someone who is really confident in his own skin he doesn't need affirmation from any other toy or human he sees himself as a space ranger and he's going to perform his duties the way he sees fit he's going to accomplish the goal that he has no one can stop him Uh, so these characters can can learn from each other mad hatter and march hare are like two peas in a pod just living in their own world in wonderland right (laughs) like alice comes up on them she hears the singing she hears the teapots and she's like what is going on here and you have these two guys mad hatter and march Hare, and they're just total lunatics and this is the problem i have with the movie alice in wonderland is it just doesn't make any sense it's just like she comes up on this duo they're like speaking their own language it's super confusing and she's like all right bye thanks for nothing <laughs> Um, there's really no like growth. There's really no, like, I don't know way that they complement each other. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. This duo makes me think of one of my best friends, Kyle G who you've met before Kyle Skinner. We have been friends since we were like four years old. And, uh, my girlfriend, Julia met Kyle for the first time, like last winter. And after the visit, she was like, when you were talking to him, it was like you were speaking your own language, and I had no <laughs> yeah. idea what you guys are talking about. That's Lena and, like, Nina and yeah,
2: Daphne, right? Yeah. Like
1: we're talking, we're talking <laughs> about baseball, or we're talking about you know whatever. Uh, but we just have this way of communicating with each other that, like over over two decades of communication, has made us just like I don't know create this own way that we uh, speak to each other. And so Hatter and Hare really remind me of that connection. And uh, I think it's great. But on screen, you're looking for characters to develop. You're looking for really dynamic relationships, ones that change on screen, ones that you can like learn more information about as the movie progresses. To me, Hatter and Hare just don't have that. And while I think they are best friends, I think Woody and Buzz are the clear choice here in the first round.
2: Yeah, um probably not going to spend too much more time on this because we just brought it up how you think disney duos and you think woody and buzz and i think you bring up a super great point about the mad hatter and and the hair they they're very much like you can see yourself and your your individual friendships within them right it's like a certain connection that makes sense only to you and that friend that you are best friends with but with them, they're just like straight up lunatics, like you said. They're, they're, it's not like just this thing that they have. It's they're literally crazy. So yeah, Woody and Buzz are gonna move on here. I, I they had unfortunately for the Hair and and for the Mad Hatter, uh, Woody and Buzz had four movies to develop, and the Mad Hatter and the Hair had a animated feature that Chris doesn't like and a live action feature that is not good. <laughs> so. Uh, Woody and Buzz are moving on. Daphne, I'm sure that is, comes to no surprise to you. Yeah,
0: so I, I do agree that Woody and Buzz, they're definitely going to move on. But I think um, when the friendship starts to develop and it's based on them, I think they want to rescue each other for the sake of keeping Andy's toys together, keeping this this little boy happy, right? But let me ask this would they go that length for any other character if they were to have gone missing and they need, that character needed saving?
2: Well, you see that in Toy Story 4, <clears throat> it opens up with the RC car like drowning, right? And they're all going after him to like save him. So I think that they are all looking out for each other, for sure, right? They're trying to keep Andy happy. They're trying to not be discovered as like, <laughs> being alive i guess but there's that certain connection that woody and buzz have that is even deeper than just like going to save one another it's like to help each other grow to stay sane for the most part um as you get into later movies not so much the first one but yeah that's a it's a great point would they do that for others probably but not maybe not to the extent Let's move on down the bracket to number eight, Joy and Sadness versus number nine, Vanellope and Ralph. I really like the movie Inside Out, and I think we brought that up uh, during the best Pixar movie, and I think that uh, Chris <laughs> explained how much he does not enjoy Inside Out. What's um, wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> no soul. No heart, no soul. No core emotions. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, Joy and Sadness are... Definitely not moving on here for me because I do not like the way that joy treats sadness throughout the first half of this movie. It's like actually depressing how ignorant and rude joy is to sadness, which makes sense. And that's the point. I get it. That's like what they were trying to say is that like sometimes uh, your your happiness doesn't allow you to also feel sad and feeling sad is an important part of any human being and any person's emotions but if i throw out that kind of like this is our intent for the movie and just focus on these two characters joy is so like i'm gonna bring this up with with woody and buzz in in next round for sure but like joy is just so ignorant and so rude to sadness who is just sadness is just trying to exist and be herself and Joy is not allowing that to happen. Their adventure is very similar to Dory and Marlin in that Marlin doesn't trust Dory to make decisions and it's the same thing with Joy and Sadness. Doesn't trust Sadness to make these decisions even though they're often the correct ones and I can't really fault them at that here and as I discuss this and as I continue to discuss these duos, one thing that's going to come up over and over again, and we can make a drinking game out of it is I'm going to say a lot of these duos deal with like a reluctancy to be friends and joy and sadness are kind of one of those. Like joy doesn't really want a whole lot to do with sadness because she feels that sadness ruins everything. So they're just kind of stuck on this adventure. But I think that, um, Joy and Sadness and Joy's ignorance and her rudeness towards sadness is just, they also like, I don't know that they stay a duo. They they get make it back to the control center and then everyone, all of the emotions are back together. So like, who's to say that Joy doesn't go back to just ignoring sadness past this movie, right? So for me, it's Vanellope and Ralph moving on. I'm going to, I'll talk about them more if they, if we choose to move them on, but I just like them a lot better than join sadness here
1: kyle i would just like to address these allegations that i hate inside out <laughs> i i am someone who is not afraid to admit when i was wrong about something you know like i have this i hate coco thing or whatever and Yes, I do hate Coco, but I'm willing <laughs> I'm willing to watch it, you know, regularly. I'm willing to find things I really like about it. And, you know, as we've grown with this podcast, I think I'll admit it. I hate Coco less than I did uh, when we started. Um, All right, so, baby step. So here we have Inside Out, this movie that when we talked about it in the Pixar bracket, I was really anti-Inside Out, and I have reviewed inside out again in preparation for this bracket and i still hate inside out man just so oh so much it's just oh everything gosh. i hate about onward amplified times 10. Oh my um, so i will not go too deep into all that because this could be a two-hour rant session on inside out for me but <laughs> i agree with you um especially what you said about this movie being about joy Every good duo has an element of give and take, and there is no, no take for sadness here. Um, this is just a heat check for joy, is what this whole adventure <laughs> is, right? It's just her coming to the realization that she needs sadness. Sadness, I'm not sure, has that same type of realization. I think she learns her self-worth, and I think that... That would be more effective if it was amplified. I think Joy and sadness's relationship, their status as a duo, would feel a lot stronger if the movie had taken the time to really focus more on sadness. And if they would have tested their relationship in some of the ways that a lot of these other duos are tested, you know, like their friendship being tested you know, they split apart and like, you know, they're mad at each other and then they realize how much they need each other. That kind of stuff doesn't happen.
2: Vanellope and Ralph.
1: Exactly. Um, and like you said, we can talk more about that, uh, next round, but yeah, there's, there's just not a whole lot for me to work with, with joy and sadness. Um, and so, you know, you've got a team like Vanellope and Ralph who both get what they want in their story and they're two completely different things. I think that works a lot better than uh, what's what's going on inside inside out. So I'm going to advance them as well. Daphne, a- any thoughts on joy and sadness?
0: I love this duo. So I think both of you are crazy. <laughs> I think it's like yin and yang, you know. Like what you uh, like what you yeah. said um it has yeah. the character development and I think that character development yeah. is with joy when when she does realize riley does need sadness to fully get an experience of whatever she is that she's feeling
2: right but also joy was super willing to just straight up abandon sadness when she's like uh this uh, whatever like launched her towards the control center that didn't work out and she told sadness <clears throat> she was going to have to leave her in long-term memory yeah. and she just was like i'm out yeah. like joy sucks she's a yeah killed, i mean
0: she's a killjoy <laughs> yeah
1: i'm uh i'm okay with like what um joy learns like i'm, I'm okay with like her arc quote yeah. unquote but sadness just yeah. doesn't have one and for me a good duo they both have to have one um and so right. and so that's a perfect segue into our next matchup uh, which is the number four seed Mike and Silly versus number 13 Marlon and Dory. This oh. one is really, really, really hard because all four, these, all four of these all four of these characters have individual personalities. So let's break it down because this might take a while. Um, and I don't I don't even really have a, a clear winner yet written down for these two. Um, so first thing I'm going to do with Mike and Sully is I'm throwing out Monsters U. Uh, the, the way that we understand these characters, I think, should start and end with Monsters Inc. Monsters U kind of like rewrites Mike as this like wannabe jock. And um, I just I don't think that's important information. I'm not sure that fits with his character that they created in Monsters Inc. So I'm I'm throwing it out. Alright, so Sully is someone who has good intentions. He's someone who has a strong moral compass. He's someone who just wants to do what's right. And everyone around him sees him as this like superhero stud. And he, I don't think, cares that much. Um, He just really wants to be a good person. And that develops into the conflict where... You know, you have Boo, who the entire monster world is afraid of her, and then you have Sully who sees her for the nice person that she is. Mike, on the other hand, is framed as an assistant. He's framed as Sully's sidekick in the world of Monsters, Inc., but to us, the audience, I think he's just as much a hero as Sully is. Mike is someone who has bought into the Monstropolis dream, if you will, much like the American dream. Mike Wazowski, wants to have a wife. He's interested in doing a good job at work. You see how scared he gets when he realizes he forgot to file his paperwork. Uh, he gets a new car in the Mike's New Car short. He, he's an active consumer in society. He's got a reservation at Harryhausen, <laughs> the nicest restaurant in Monstropolis, right? He's just, he's just a guy that wants to climb the corporate ladder uh, and and that's threatened as well when his uh when his friend has this human on his hands that might threaten Mike's standing in the company right uh so you have characters with kind of like opposing personalities but still able to complement each other so throughout monsters inc we get to see those personality traits create roadblocks for their relationship you know at the beginning mike being willing to assist in any way possible is great for sully um and keeping his scare numbers up or whatever um and by the end like i said it's uh, it's a problem for sully because mike wants him to follow the rules you've also got marlon and dory who just like mike dory is framed as marlon's sidekick uh you know, Marlon's the one with the plan. He's the one with the goal. He's the one with the final destination in mind. Marlon is a fish with major control issues. And Dory is a fish who is very spontaneous and will do whatever she feels like at any time. And like, this is Marlon's worst nightmare. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um and you know you can look at that and be like okay so like dory is here to like cure marlin's craziness um but i think marlin can help dory out in a lot of ways as well you know dory's kind of a, a loner fish without a direction in her life and she doesn't really feel a sense of belonging anywhere she's very lonely and she has this motto just keep swimming And to me, just keep swimming doesn't really mean anything if you don't have anything to swim towards. And Marlin is able to put that goal in front of Dory so that she can, you know, work towards something. I'm not sure she ever gets the moment in Finding Nemo to appreciate that idea. I think that's one I'm kind of creating in my head, like reading between the lines, but uh, I like it. I like that interpretation. Uh, Dory also, you know, teaches Marlon to be spontaneous. She's got Marlon jumping on jellyfish and getting sucked into whale mouths. She's someone who's very social. She at- helps Marlon ask for directions a couple of times. She loves making friends. You know, Marlon's someone who really doesn't like having people close to him because he's lost people close to him. Um, It's just a great, great match. And while I love the interpersonal conflict throughout Monsters, Inc., I think the final realization for Marlin of how much that he needs Dory when he's, like, super, super mad at her when they're inside that whale mouth, like, that is just such a sweet moment and, like, makes their relationship just, like, crystallize when you hear her say you're just gonna have to trust me and then he lets go like oh my god incredible um and you know they find they find Nemo they do it found him so i <laughs> um, going with Marlon and Dory here
0: yeah I think uh Marlon and Dory is a is a good story of your deep your deepest relationships aren't aren't perfect and you gotta yeah. Yeah, work, work yeah. to get absolutely. past those imperfections
2: yeah absolutely and it's interesting that you bring that up because i think that mike and sully go through a very similar maybe not as dramatic kind of you you don't realize how much you need the other until you really need the other and that part comes when they're banished right they're they're thrown out of this they're what is their monstropolis they're yeah. thrown out of their city and they end up in the himalayas where they meet the abominable snowman um and they they're physically fighting throughout that entire scene which i don't necessarily like a whole lot about this duo um because i don't know that i've ever gone to, to like the extremes of wanting to physically fight my best friend ever. Um, I think that... Yeah, but you're a chill
1: guy, Kyle. You're like the chillest guy I can think of.
2: But so is Sully, I feel like. And so, I mean, I guess he was passive, whatever. I just don't, I don't see that being necessarily the message that they should be sending. I think that it could be worked out. And maybe that's just me who wants everything to just work out speaking here, but um they do go through this kind of I need the other in order to make all of this happen, in order to get Boo back safely and um it, it it's hard to go against Dorian Marlin here. I think that if we did some sort of massive like a hundred and twenty seated bracket of like best disney character like sully is a pretty solid character mm-hmm. i think that like all of the points that you brought up are super valid that he, like he's the type of person that i think people just wish they were which is like just wanting to do the right thing um even if he's the best he's not boastful about it he just wants to do a great job at work he wants to be a great person wants to be a great friend wants to be a great monster who is in our terms a great person right so i i love mike and sully and like you i'm throwing out monsters university i'm also throwing out finding dory because you find you find dory is more of a duo with hank in that movie and marlin and nemo are pretty non-existent and they're really just battling becky the bird the entire time so i'm throwing that movie out as well I was going to advance Mike and Sully here until you brought up that moment that I didn't even think about in the, when they get swallowed up by the whale and there's that release of trust and there's not that kind of moment of just like, trust me, we can do this. in, in monsters Inc, like there is in finding in finding Nemo. And I think that's super important because it, it does show the growth of that friendship and the arc of that friendship with Dory being like, You just have to trust me. And that's Marlon's biggest fear is just trusting others because he trusted his wife. And what did his wife do? She she done gotten eaten. And so did all of the other babies. <laughs> she, and, now, she did. and now Nemo she, has gone. A, she gone. And now Nemo also has a small fin because of his mother's actions. And so Marlon's not willing to give that up and that moment is so powerful because it it's like that's something so deeply ingrained in Marlon That in order for a friend to change that that has to be a pretty good friend. So that friendship is so important here Chris, I'm agreeing with you. I mean, we've been talking forever already But like and we haven't had any disagreements, but I think that this this is gonna be the upset. So uh, Dory and Marlon are moving on Uh, I hope we didn't upset you with that one Daphne, like we did with uh, Joy and Sadness.
0: No, no, they're a perfect duo to help each other develop here.
2: Also, I hope that whoever has a uh, Just Keep Swimming tattoo... Thinks about what Chris just said so, you like, have order to just keep. To swim for. Yeah, he just he just ruined it for everyone. Dude, if... in order no. to just keep swimming, you have to have something to swim towards. Dude, you're just, just treading completely. water. Completely, you're just so... you're treading water, man. Like that... that.
1: What? Just keep treading water? No. That blew my mind when you said. That.
2: Oh man! All right, let's uh, let's keep this marathon going. I'm loving it. We're moving on to number five: Lilo and Stitch versus number twelve: Baloo and Mowgli. Chris, Mowgli suffers from this Luke character- characterization that I hated about Luke, which is he's just a little whiny baby. Yep. Yep. He's a True. whiny baby for a, a kid raised by wolves. You you don't have that pack mentality. He's so selfish and like all Baloo wants to do is not only be his best friend but also be his like surrogate father figure and all Baloo wants to do is keep Mowgli safe and like when he tries to do that Mowgli gets upset. Mowgli feels like Baloo betrays him when all Baloo wants is the best for Mowgli and like Baloo knows that Shere Khan's after Mowgli and in order to protect him he wants to deliver him back to the man village and Mowgli gets all sad about it and it's like Baloo's never betrayed you before why Why do you think that he would betray you now and I get it Mowgli's a little kid but he was also raised by wolves so like any little kid argument that like this is how a little kid would react I'm, I'm not hearing it because he wasn't raised as a little kid he was raised as like an animal and a wolf so, like, really, like, in this duo, the only redeeming factor in how they even made this list is that, like, Baloo is such a strong character. And he's such a great character. And he even, like, is willing to uh, almost sacrifice himself for Mowgli when uh, Shere Khan comes and attacks. Lilo and Stitch is super interesting as well because, like, it Stitch didn't choose this. A lot of these duos did not choose this. Like, Stitch is attempting to not get captured again so he's playing the part of this dog and Lilo is really just trying to make it happen and realizes that Stitch doesn't want to be this dog and is still going to try and make this happen but the Lilo and Stitch are definitely moving on for me because there's that moment kind of like in Finding Nemo where Stitch gets it and he's like this is bigger than myself. Like I now have a family and family is super important. And I, I love this family. And so that kind of switch from selfishness to not being so selfish and just caring about Lilo, I think is super important. And they go on to be a duo forever off. After this movie, you have multiple sequels. After this movie, you have an entire television series they go on adventures together. This duo is pretty strong and it, it goes from like a owner pet situation to like a friend situation super quick. So for me, I just don't like Mowgli at all and I'm not even I'm not even talking about the live action one because I think the live action movie is actually pretty good, but I I in the animated version, I just don't like Mowgli at all and I think he's a he's not a great friend to Baloo. And just by default, Lilo and Stitch are moving on here.
0: Yeah, same here. Lilo and Stitch for me, hands down. And I think it's one of the few Disney movies where it's showing an imperfect home. But it's okay when you have this family that loves and supports you. Oh, and and the message that your family doesn't have to be blood I I think, I think, uh, yeah, Lilo and Stitch, man, gets me right in the feels.
1: Well, uh,
2: you know, Daphne jumped the gun, but uh, (sighs) Chris, you didn't look like you agreed with that. (laughs) I
1: was, you know, I was about to um, shred Lilo and Stitch um, right there, but you know what? I'll save it. That's okay. I've got. I, I didn't necessarily love Baloo and Mowgli either. The thing that really annoys me about Baloo and Mowgli is that. Uh, you don't really get a, a strong sense of, like, the why in their relationship. You know, like, we just talked about, like, why Marlon and Dory are such a good match for each other. You know, Baloo gets the opportunity. Like, like the ball is on the tee for Baloo. All he's got to do is just knock it out of the park, and he doesn't do it. And it's when Mowgli is asleep and Bagheera pulls Baloo aside and is like, dude, you got to take him back to the mad village, bro. Like, what a perfect slow moment in the movie. What an opportunity for Baloo to say something like, you know what, Bagheera? My mate died. My little cub died. And I was so sad for so long. And Mowgli came along. And I'm an old papa bear, bro. And this could be my last chance to have a little cub of my own so no i'm not taking him back to the man village like what a strong strong reason for them to be together but nope he's just like ah okay and that's it just totally dropped the ball jungle book just dropped the ball in that moment it's really sad uh so i'll i'll I I mean, I don't have any choice, but Leelon Stitch, I guess, is advancing here. (laughs) So, uh, let's hop over to the other side of the bracket. We've got some sister power. We've got number two, Anna and Elsa, versus number 15, Pooh and Piglet. Anna and Elsa, man, they're perhaps the current most recognizable Disney duo. It was Woody and Buzz for a long time. But now... I mean, you can't say one's name without the other. They're just, they're inseparable, right? That is, they're inseparable in all of the marketing and all of like the photos and stuff (laughs) like that. If you want to talk about the movie, we can talk about the movie, but um, let's talk about Pooh and Piglet first. Uh, There's a lot of Pooh and Piglet content out there, all right? Like there's books, there's a lot of Winnie the Pooh movies and TV shows and stuff, so it's a little bit hard to i don't know give enough examples to create like a strong argument here but let's go ahead with the og the original uh, many adventures of winnie the pooh movie yep this is a this is a movie i love i mean this movie is like tailor-made for me right like there's no quest there's no saving Mm -hmm. the world there's no like super high stakes or anything no one's gonna die Uh, No huge stories. Uh, It's just a really personal, you know, up-close look at the Hundred Acre Wood. Let's just look at a day in the life of these characters that we know. Um, And they all have really strong identities. And so, you know, this movie is just looking at the way that those individuals interact with each other. So, I mean, I absolutely love it. The problem, though, when we're talking about duos, is it does require some movement. It does require... The duo to have some type of objective or challenge that they're trying to overcome together because that's like really the test of strength both in like the effectiveness of like what they can accomplish but also like in the strength of their bond we see so many of these friends fall out of touch at one point during the movie and then like find a way back to each other and then at the end it it makes their bond feel so much stronger because they've lost it and they've overcome that challenge as friends they've also accomplished some huge goal so like while i like the movie many adventures of winnie the pooh and i like these characters individually i don't have a lot to show for them as an effective duo i think a good snapshot of how these two work together is when the flood comes and Pooh is like paddling down the river in a chair stranded and Pooh is floating around upside down with his head inside of a honeypot spinning around in circles like this is your duo like this is this is the extent of what they could accomplish as duos um yeah they're both kind of like Very sensitive people. They're both kind of ding-dongs. They're a little bit stupid. Um, You know, they're buddies. They become roommates at the end. But I don't know. Like, their relationship just isn't really compelling. There aren't a whole lot of, like, complicated dynamics working in frozen and frozen 2 anna and elsa they got all kinds of drama man like they got um orphan issues they've got like abandonment issues they've got like one sister's frigid one sister's like way too naive and they have to work through that as sisters and uh that's just i mean that's just so much more interesting to watch so i'm i'm easily going with anna and elsa here i do love me some poo though i love some poo.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i have issues with Anna and Elsa, but it's not strong enough to not move them on here. Yeah, it's not strong enough to not move them on here. However, we... Chris, there is a Frozen and Winnie the Pooh connection. And I don't know if you found this in your research, but it's incredible. So, one of the greatest bits of all time, it comes from the 2011 Winnie the Pooh movie. And it's when the gang gets stuck in a hole except for piglet and they're wanting piglet to get them out
1: oh i seen it
2: and rabbit yeah that's a is meme trying... isn't that a meme Mm-hmm. and rabbit's trying to instruct piglet on how to get him out and piglet finds a rope but he cannot not mm-hmm. and that pun and play on words is just the entire bit and it's just like it's such a funny everyone go to youtube and find the cannot not uh, scene from Winnie the Pooh because it's fantastic. The 2011 Winnie the Pooh, guess who did the, the songs in that movie, Chris?
1: No, not Anderson Lopez.
2: The Anderson Lopez's. Oh, they wow. did the songs who also did the songs for Frozen. So wow. There's your, uh, your connection here in those duos uh, in this matchup. But it's on and also moving on. Uh, the points that you brought up are are just too valid Pooh and Piglet are just numbskulls Uh, Pooh can't focus long enough to even like rescue Piglet in that many adventures scene in in that one storyline he goes through and meets Tigger and helps rabbit with his garden and ends up bumping into Piglet after Piglet has flown away on that on the river after the flood so it's, they're great friends, but in this bracket of duos, they're probably not the best duo. Ana and Elsa are moving on here as well. Daphne, are you a big Frozen fan? I know that you recently discovered the Frozen 2 soundtrack and all the covers, so.
0: ah, oh, that Weezer, that Weezer cover is so <laughs> good. But yes, no, same thing for me though, Ana and Elsa, Chris, the, um, the reasons that you listen to why you love Pooh and Piglet as, as characters those are the same reasons why I hate them. They're just, <laughs> <laughs> they're just, they're just too common, gentle for my liking. But yeah, on and Elsa. I think also what a unique duo. I don't know how many sibling duos we have in Disney.
1: Not many. Not yeah, many at not all. Not many. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Except for onward, which. I guess wasn't worthy enough for making this. Bracket, I mean, it was terrible. Whatever. movie.
1: is a terrible movie. So it know, what do you, it was not a what do you movie.
2: expect? A review stated it was not a terrible movie. Let's move on in the bracket here. We got number seven, Gus and Jacques from Cinderella versus Moana and Maui from Moana. The mice scenes. And I brought this up in the best animated bracket are some of the best in Cinderella. I think they're so funny. Um, but the gus and jock are we just see them in the infancy of their friendship yeah because they meet each other in that movie and we see them meet each other in that movie and really here's another here we go everybody ready to take a drink it's a reluctant friendship again it's like jock has felt like he needs to be friends with gus and so he's taken gus under his wing essentially and it's just, like, you fit in. Cinderella's great. She feeds us and stuff. Um, so just just be cool. And Gus can't be cool because he messes everything up all the time. Um, but Moana and Maui, it's of—it's also a reluctant friendship. Take a drink. Like, it's... <laughs> they. Maui wants nothing to do with Moana. Moana doesn't really want anything to do with Maui. But Maui's essential to her quest of restoring the heart of Te Fiti. So they find their friendship and their need for each other as it as the story goes on but what also is so great and thank you disney because i harp on you a lot for one your lack of representation but also like we finally have a princess that's not falling in love with the the male counterpart and they're just trying to accomplish a task without love getting in the way and it's so nice i think it's great here chris moana and maui are moving on they're just the more competent duo they're able to accomplish tasks together gus gus and Jacques come up big in cinderella they release cinderella from her attic chamber when the prince is looking for whose glass slipper it is but like at the end of the day, they're just a couple of m- bumbling idiot mice who, sh- k- essentially, get Cinderella in trouble the entire time. So, Moana and Maui is an easy pick here for me.
1: Yeah, uh, Daphne. I'm sorry we have not been putting you on the spot too much this bracket yet. My, my um, feelings we'll get are there. hurt.
2: The we'll get there. Th-
1: the thing that I think about when I think of Gus and Jacques is like, it's like it's like that coworker. Or maybe that, like, classmate in school who, like, you love hanging out with them when you're at work. And, like, you know, you'll walk into the office and you'll, like, dap them up. You know, what's going on? What's going on, Carl? How you doing? All Sick. But, like, are you going to hang out with them, like, in your free time? Probably not. Like, if, if you have an open spot at, like, a table at your wedding, maybe they'll get the invite. But, like, meh. You don't get the sense that Jock and Gus are super good friends. Jock kind of like takes him under his wing and shows him the ropes of being a mouse in this Cinderella house. But, I mean, they can hardly talk, so like you don't really get you don't really get them making like a strong emotional connection, um, which you do get with Moana and Maui. Like they constantly face. Uh, trials throughout their their journey across the sea, and like their trust in each other is constantly tested. It's like Maui having to come to terms with the fact that this tiny person, who doesn't know how to sail a boat, really is um, going to have to you know help him out. You know, so um, so yeah, I agree. I like uh, I like Moana and Maui here.
0: Yeah, same here. Mo- Moana and. And Maui, and I think um, the main character is not falling in love with the, with the male hero in the story, and then again, a rare Disney duo, a demigod and a, and a human, and also a, right. a, a different form of royalty where where this princess is not going to live in a castle, rather she's saving her village. and And
1: Moana really made it far in our heroes bracket the original bracket for all of these reasons so uh definitely a strong seed here too so we'll move along to the next round we've got timon and pumba versus remy and Linguini. now this is an interesting matchup for me um kind of the opposite of the marlon and dory mike and sully matchup like i can't decide which one i hate more Uh, hate's hates, hates probably a strong (laughs) that's probably a strong (laughs) word here but you know i'm having problems seeing like a like an obvious upside for for both of these so timon and pumbaa much like hare and hatter they have their own culture that they have created and that they are just living in all day long hakuna matata bra hakuna matata Okay, so their friendship appears to be lifelong. In that song, you get them singing about, you know, Pumbaa's childhood flatulence. So, you know, you know that they've known each other for a really long time. Um, but, you know, unlike Hare and Hatter, Timon and Pumbaa do have small differences in their personalities. You know, T- Timon's, he's, you know, more eloquent. He's kind of smooth talking. He's loud mouth, um, but he's also a little bit more calculated. I wouldn't call Timon the smart one, but he acts like he's the smart one. Uh Pumbaa's basically just like a big dumb bag of bricks. Uh he's kind of a brutish at times. Um they're both really goofy. Last episode we talked about uh Shenzi, Banzai and Ed as like a collective, like a hyena collective. And for me, Even though there are differences in Timon and Pumbaa's personalities, they profile a lot more like a like a sidekick collective where they're not really out doing much like their primary goal and purpose in the movie is just to like assist Simba. Um, They don't really have a whole lot of like long term objectives for themselves. Uh, I mean, that's, like, their whole thing. Like, their whole thing is to just, like, not care about anything. Uh, they they are able to kind of, like, you know, get it together and create some action during that climax scene when everyone's fighting each other and, you know, Pumbaa charges through a bunch of hyenas. You talking to me? Uh, it's great. <laughs> great scene. Uh, Pumbaa's got a short fuse. I just, I I think there are so many characters on this bracket that are like hero level duos you know and Timon and Pumbaa are just not hero level Uh, and here you got Remy and Linguini on the other side and they are hero level I wouldn't call them heroic per se but they are hero level in that the focus in the movie is on them Remy has a great backstory. Remy is a great character. He's a rat. He's a misfit rat. He's a misfit like many of the characters in this bracket are. Uh, He really likes the finer things. And he has issues at home because he won't fall in line with the rest of the rats. He's got some daddy issues. um, Very, very strange relationship. And he's uh, he's really creative. He's focused on creating and not being like a a rodent that takes things. He wants to create things. Uh, So we really sympathize in him feeling out of place at home. But, you know, while he is happy to pursue his own objectives, he's also kind of a loner. And Linguini, also a loner. So it makes their relationship feel natural in a very similar way to Lilo and Stitch. Both loners, both without others in their lives. So uh, they go well together. Um, And we, we see them as loners, too. It's not like... Uh, Timon and Pumbaa, where like, you know, we we don't see them without each other, right? I hate Aladdin. Uh, <laughs> we all hate Aladdin. Aladdin's it, Aladdin is a huge fraud, right? And Linguini is a huge fraud too. Linguini is the illegitimate child of this Gusto guy. Right. And his thing is that he is trying to find his place in the world. Like he just feels so lost and he has these high expectations he's put on himself. Yeah. And so he's basically lying his way to the top of this restaurant. And uh, when Linguini loses Remy, we're supposed to like sympathize with Linguini, I guess. And like, you know, I really don't because it's like, dude, this was a bad idea in the first place. You know, so the ethics are a little bit blurry there, and I and I don't really love that relationship for that reason. It seems a little bit one-sided. Ultimately, I think I'm going with Linguini and Remy here still, just because I do like the backstory stuff, and there is at least some like reason for Linguini's actions proposed. I don't love it, but it's there, it's present. And I can kind of wrap my head around it. Uh, like I said, Timon and Pumbaa feel more like sidekicks to me. Um, there's less ups and downs in their relationships, less interesting. So I'm going with Linguini and Remy.
2: It's funny that you brought up the, like, co-worker aspect last matchup, because I get that with Remy and Linguini a lot stronger. Not not only are they literally co-workers, they end up having a restaurant together at the end, um, and throughout the entire movie they are cooking as co-workers but it's also the relationship of like you can be extreme homies with like somebody at work but you might not hang out with them a ton outside and the the times that we see them hanging out outside of work is (laughs) is remy like attempting to train Linguini to move correctly when he pulls these strands of hair which like it's it's like a creative idea but also not it's just it i don't it's like right it's
1: i don't understand the science behind yeah how that works and we
2: don't always need the science but here it's like come on yeah i whatever who cares honestly like <laughs> remy just wants to cook man that's all remy wants to do and like he accomplishes is accomplishes that with Linguini using Linguini. And I don't think Remy cares about Linguini. Because even when Linguini's like spitting game to that to the only other uh, person that he gets along with in the kitchen, which is that uh, the the only female cook in that kitchen, uh, Remy gets jealous that Linguini's taking the credit for this great dish that he's made and it's like bro you're a rat relax <laughs> so chris i don't like remy and Linguini at all i love timon and Pumbaa, baby yeah i mean i was obviously a big hyena guy obviously in the last one and like timon no. and pumba are you joking man like I think, uh, they, uh, remy, they're so insane go ahead oh, go, i was it. gonna
0: say remy and Linguini. this is uh you're just using people to reach your goals that's what i think <laughs> I mean are they yeah. actually friends or is just or is it just a means to an end?
2: Right. And with po- Timon and Pumbaa, like they're constantly working together. They're they're a couple of schemers and dreamers, baby. That's all they are. They they akuna matata all the way. they, they have no worries. They're going to live together, they're going to work together. They come up with some crazy schemes along the way. Not only with, like, oh, if we take in this lion who obviously doesn't want to eat us, we can use that to our advantage and, like, befriend him and he can help us accomplish things that we haven't been able to. And he could even protect us, maybe. Which doesn't work for them because Nala tries to kill Pumbaa <laughs> at one point. But Timon and Pumba, like, they come up with this distraction plan together, which was fantastic. And they have... Uh, it's, they. In their spin-off cartoon, Timon and Pumbaa, that was on the Disney Channel, you see that friendship and that kind of like adventure mentality as any sort of Saturday morning cartoon would, where it's just a couple of best friends working together to solve some problems, and they do that through and through. They also, besides Gus and Jacques, who we've already eliminated, have a pretty slap of a, a song in Akuna Matata. Gus and Jock take part in Cinderella, which is also a fantastic song. But <laughs> they, we're never going to talk about them again. So, Chris, I think that the friendship between Timon and Pumbaa, their acceptance of each other, Pumbaa stinks, and Timon still loves them. Best friends right there. They're a solid duo. That means we're going to Daphne. And I think I already know what Daphne's going to do, because she already stated yeah. <laughs> her support for my argument here. Timon and
0: Pumbaa all the way.
2: Let's round out this episode with our final matchup of the round of 16. We have Chip and Dale from just the Disney collection versus Timothy and Dumbo from Dumbo. Some fun facts for everybody. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. go. Buckle up. Chip and Dale, one of Disney's oldest cartoon characters in general. They made their debut in 1943 in a, a short called Private Pluto. Um,
1: As at a uh, propaganda
2: it was during the wartime efforts and it's a thousand percent propaganda and it's it's like everyone's going to work for the war including Pluto <laughs> and that's like that's the the kind of overlying uh theme of that short but it's really the introduction to Chip and Dale who are actually just like little punks Like, we all love them, and we see them in the parks, and we see them on marketing materials, and they're like, yeah, man, I love Chip and Dale. But, like, they're actually just punks, and they exist to punk the, like, the Fab Five air quotes of Disney. So, like, there's constant mischievous actions from these two when they're around Donald and that's shown. And you can, if you search chip and Dale in Disney plus, or even on YouTube, you can see a lot of these shorts and one of them that's on Disney plus where there's super quintessential personalities are on display is corn chips in which like Donald's making popcorn and the chipmunks are being annoying about it and trying to steal it and whatever, like they're, (laughs) there you don't get a whole lot of personality out of them in these shorts except for that you know that dale's a little bit dimmer and chip's really the leader and the schemer and the one that's coming up with the plan but then you have rescue rangers which like completely flips the like the script on these characters because while they were mischievous and causing trouble now they are rescuing people from trouble so there's this like dissonance of the disney brand in the 90s when eisner was trying to like bring all these classic characters back and in doing so he establishes this uh, disney afternoon with like the rescue rangers so you bring back baloo and now suddenly he's a pilot and you have chippendale who are now rescue rescuers and like detectives indiana jones type right so like it's hard to really nail down who the true Chippendale is, but I'm kind of throwing out the Rescue Rangers because I think that the true form of Chippendale is this mischievous kind of duo who's trying to cause problems for others. Um, and then on the other end, you have Timothy and Dumbo. And, like, I really appreciated this duo after not only doing more research on them, but also kind of re-watching Dumbo which is easy to do. Cause it's only like what 40 minutes. So like yep. Timothy, there's not a whole lot to gain on his end. He just feels Dumbo's been wronged and wants to help him. And in doing so, he establishes this friendship with Dumbo and is like, yo, listen, Dumbo, we want to get you to your mom. We're going to try and free your mom. We're going to make this happen. And ultimately he does, bring Dumbo back to his mom, but mom's locked up and it's the saddest moment in Disney history. So I put that on the books for when we do the saddest moment bracket, that Dumbo being cradled by his mom to baby baby of mine is the saddest moment ever. You also got to love that these two get drunk together, Chris.
1: I, dude, That's I was sad. like, you better talk about that scene <laughs> they, where they get absolutely wasted.
2: Chris, they get hammered together it feels a lot like us chris we're we're timothy and dumbo we we meet once a week we drink we get drunk i start ranting about how 101 dalmatians is the greatest movie that disney's ever produced it's it's great like who who doesn't want that from their best friend unless of course you don't you don't want to drink and then also like timothy is a major hype man not only just like listen, Dumbo, like, your differences are, are like, great, you're worthy, don't let others punk you, but also, like, he knows Dumbo can fly, so he needs to just give Dumbo a physical manifestation of that, which is this feather, and he's like, listen, if you hold this, you're gonna fly, I got you, I promise you're gonna fly, and he does, and this is, and, like, to understand the psyche of your friend in the way that Timothy does just makes them such a powerful duo. So, Chris, I have the upset here. I'm moving Timothy and Dumbo on past Chippendale.
1: Kyle, I was I was definitely leaning Chippendale, um, just because, you know, because of the I word, because they're iconic. There it is. I feel really I feel really guilty whenever I argue against anyone. Goofy, Mick, (laughs) Pluto, Minnie, Donnie. Like, you know, I just, I feel so bad because, like, this whole brand is built on the backs of those fools. Yeah. You know, so to be like, oh, Chippendale, like, the uh, Rescue Rangers ruined them or, like, you know, they have an identity crisis. It's like, man, everyone knows Mm Chippendale, you know? And, like, it makes me sad to argue against them in any way. I like it they're little rascals. I like I like that they're punking people because you know what? Sometimes Disney is a little bit too stiff. Especially the Fab Five, you know? And and we need people like Chip and Dale who are constantly like checking these fools. Yeah, sure. But you know, just the scene where they get drunk together <laughs> um and they start seeing pink elephants, like that's relatable right there, man. Like like that is friendship that is duo right you're just sitting around trying to have a good time trying to celebrate next thing you know you're in way deeper than you thought you were supposed to be yeah like you're like oh what's going on man they're gonna wake up the next morning and be like dude (laughs) what 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 happened last (laughs) night i mean that's that's good duo material so i think i also am gonna go with timothy and dumbo daphne we have reached the end of the first round what are some of your thoughts here
0: timothy and dumbo also but overall i think we we made the right choices guys
1: yeah for like for me thinking that this was such a difficult bracket i think i think we made the most of the decisions pretty clean
2: yeah and i think that in our like if you really go in and research these duos and then as kind of nitpick their relationships to each other that you learn a lot about kind of Disney's thought process about opposites attracting, and, and how friends can be found in the most unexpected places. And this is honestly, I mean, we've been going for a while here and we've only gotten through the first round. And I think it's because, it's so fun to talk character and it's so fun to talk about these duos and their relationships. So I'm excited for the next episode and I hope everyone who's listening is just as excited as we are.
1: All right, folks. Well, before I sign off, just want to say thank you to Daphne. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you. Thanks for inviting me guys. Well, everyone out there, you know where to reach us. You can follow us on Twitter at mouse madness pod. Send us an angry email at mousemadinispodguys at gmail.com. You can join our Discord server. You can join our Facebook community. Until next time, we will see you all later. Doobie-doo. I want to be like
2: you. <laughs>